Hello, everyone. You are listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Sheep Things Podcast. What a special guest we have for you today. Mark Dennis, owner of Country Oak Ranch in Louisiana, and a longtime Katahdin breeder instrumental in the early development of bringing the breed to where it is today. He'll share with us a little about his background, growing up, his sheep operation, and give us some history of the Katahdin breed and the association. This was a long discussion, so we're going to break it up into a couple episodes. We hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Mark Dennis. So yeah, Mark, uh, tell us a little about yourself and, and your childhood and where you were born and and uh, what you did, how you made a living, and a little bit about yourself. All right, good. Thank you for uh, contacting me and uh, allowing me to be your first uh, guest. I, uh, I was born in uh, South Jersey in 1935, and... Uh, I, uh, my father was in the military in the Coast Guard and uh, five uncles and, uh, and I lived with my uh, grandmother and uh, grandfather and my mother, there was a divorce there, uh, but my father was in the Second World War and was gone an awful lot, so I uh, didn't see him very much. So in 1941, my grandfather uh, bought this uh, little farm in South Jersey and Ocean View was the name. We lived three miles inland from the ocean and the outer islands. And uh, he bought this uh, 48 acres with two story house and uh, for $1,700. And uh, we, we lived there and uh, during the war, and uh, we raised uh, a dozen geese and uh, three pigs, and we uh, sold vegetables uh, along the road on a stand. And then um, we, in uh, 1948, uh, he passed away. He had been retired just three years. He was uh, worked for the railroad. He was an engineer on the railroad. And uh, that made me become the man at the, ho- at the house with my mother and grandmother. And my mother, she worked during the war in a defense uh, sewing factory, uh, making Eisenhower jackets at $30 a week. And then enough. In uh, 48, um, after that, I tried to continue to sell vegetables along the road. I worked weekends in gas stations. And, uh, and then uh, all I ever heard from my father was uh, when he would come home, uh, he lived in Cape May, New Jersey, um, was joined the Coast Guard, getting the Coast Guard, Coast Guard. So uh, when I graduated from high school in 53, I joined the Coast Guard and, uh, and uh, went to boot camp 
20 miles from where we lived. Boot camp was in Cape May and, uh, and served on quite a few ships. I served uh, in Hawaii and uh, uh, served at the Coast Guard Academy on the Coast Guard sailing vessel, the Eagle, which is a square rigger, uh, 290 foot long, uh, used to train the cadets at the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut. Wow, went to Europe twice, went to Europe twice on it, and, uh, and then uh, I, uh, I didn't like it too much because we always left in June and came back first September, and uh, I, had, I got married and, uh, and uh, had two children, and it wasn't good to be gone all summer when they were off. So that Coast Guard had a, a program where he could mutual to another facility. So I mutualed back to South Jersey and uh, bought a home there and uh, was stationed there on uh, shore stations. I was stationed on a light ship. A uh, light ship was 35 miles at sea at the mouth of the Delaware River. And we just stayed out there two weeks at a time, rolling around. That was before television and movies and all that stuff. And uh, just kept a light on at night and, uh, and a fog signal going uh, during uh, foggy weather. And, uh, and then uh, I was made chief and uh, I never went to school. I did all my promotions and correspondence courses. And then uh, I uh, became a warrant officer and, uh, and served on different vessels. Uh, we went on one that uh, went to Brazil, went up the Amazon River to Berlin. Uh, nice trip. And then uh, uh, after that, uh, I became uh, a, uh, promoted to lieutenant in engineering and uh, became engineering officer on a couple of ships. And then when I served that tour, uh, I went to the Coast Guard shipyard in uh, Curtis Bay, Maryland, and was building ships there, uh, buoy tenders, uh, 200 footers. And, um, and then I also had a tour in Hawaii and uh which was nice went through the south pacific and uh japan and those kind of places and uh, then uh at the shipyard um it looked like my next duty station was going to be washington dc and i didn't want to go to headquarters so i had an opportunity uh a friend used to be my electrician on the ship he had got out and went to um, Louisiana and worked for a Navy company. And he contacted me and said he had an opening in fire and safety and uh, wanted to know if I would be interested. So I went down and looked at it. I went back to the shipyard, put my letter in to retire. And I retired on uh, December the 31st, 1976 and moved to Louisiana. Wow. And 
and I uh, worked for that company for uh, 11 years. And then uh, uh, they laid us all off because the company lost this offshore insurance. So the competitor called me and I went to work for them for 11 years. So I worked in the oil patch for 22 years and um, the same, I retired out of the Coast Guard with 22 and a half years. So then I, uh, we bought this little uh, uh, farm here. We call it a ranch because uh, the way I determine if you got a ranch or if you got a farm is uh, ranch is pasture land uh, and a farm is row crops. So uh, we have uh, 11 acres here and uh we've been here 35 years at this place and uh we started out with two acres and uh, and then I bought some adjoining property and 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 it was uh we had some cattle we had this land we might as well put some cattle on it didn't know anything about cattle in new jersey we never raised cattle or uh, horses or sheep or goats. So uh, the cattle, and then I saw an advertisement uh, years ago, 34 years ago or so, in Bethel, Missouri, they were having a hair sheep uh, festival. Hmm. So I had a couple barbados, actually I had six, I guess, and uh, along with the cattle, and uh, come to find out, Barbados, the ones we had and most I've ever seen, are crazy. In fact, <laughs> somebody said they're half deer, and I believe it. And uh, the only way you could uh, worm them or do anything was you had to trick them, uh, pen them up. <laughs> crazy. So I said, well, I need some different bloodlines. So I went to this festival, and uh, geez, that's where I saw Katahdin's. And uh, Lord Fortmire had brought in some uh, Katahdin's from uh, the Heifer Project in Perry, Arkansas, who at that time had, uh, well, I, I forget, a couple 300 or maybe more Katahdin's mm -hmm. there that they had uh, got from uh, Dr. Peel. So basically the Heifer Project, tell us about that a little bit. Uh, we're going to try to get Laura on in a future episode, but they were kind of like a branch, uh, kind of wanted to take it a little bit and play with it too. Once he got, once Peel got so far. Or? Well, what happened uh, was uh, Peel, uh, you know, he was, the story with Peel was uh, he developed the Katahdin's. The uh, and uh, he had gave uh, a, a group, a small group, to uh, LSU here in Louisiana because he thought they really had a potential in the South, hmm. and uh, which they do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they were at the LSU for six or seven months, and they had a new dean come in, and, he's, and he got rid of the sheep. He didn't see no use for hair sheep in the South and uh, sent him back to Peel. 
and then I think uh, after that, I think the University of North Carolina got interested. But anyway, we had the opportunity here in the South then, and uh, and we lost it. And uh, and and uh, so, what was your question? Uh, how the heifer uh, the heifer project got involved? How how did they become? Yeah. Uh, how did Laura and them became kind of the central? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, with the heifer project. It was a non a non uh, nonprofit. Yeah, a religious type thing, and uh, they would. Uh, give sheep and ducks and all kinds of things, cattle out to uh, different countries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the idea was that if, if you had any offspring, you would share that with someone else. And it, mm-hmm. and it grew like that. And uh, so somebody apparently had donated this big ranch in, uh, in uh, Perry, Arkansas to um the heifer project and uh and uh we we met laura ed Marksoff. he was uh, the man main the man the main man there and she was the shepherd when we worked there went there and uh they would put on uh, ex- uh little shows uh uh, once a year, twice a year, we'd go there, and uh, they had housing there, and it was all volunteers through different churches, and it was a great place, and they'd show you all the things that they were doing in other countries uh, and giving these animals away, and, and it wasn't just sheep. It was pigs and cattle and rabbits. It was really an interesting place. And we would go there for the weekend and have little cotton gatherings. And, they, and a couple of times they slaughtered them and uh, then they would show you how to cut them up. And of course we'd eat cotton. And we did that for years. It was really nice. And then I think they kind of got tight on money somehow and they let Ed Marks off go. And, uh, but Laura was still the shepherd so we still had a contact there, and then it wasn't too long after that, I don't know, a year or so, that um, she left, got married, and moved to Kansas. Ed Marksoff, he moved to Petty Jean Mountain and started raising the cottons there. And, uh, and, of course, Laura did, too. And then another fella that was uh, in that group, he... Uh, when he was let go, they went to uh, Hawaii, and he started raising a few there. And then uh, there was another gal, uh, Mary Van, we called her, and uh, she was she lived there in uh, in Arkansas, and she started raising sheep. So all those people that were at Heifer Project, uh, when they left, they they got into the Katahdin. It's kind of interesting that how, uh, you know, what if the heifer project never existed? There's a possibility that the breed never would have took off. That's right. Wow. And and, and, and yeah. that's true. And and uh, Ed Marksoff, he he's the guy that saw him. In my 
from what I know, saw him uh, in the main and pushed that we should get a registry here, get a registry, mm. get this going. And, uh, and, and then they got a fellow by the name of Williams. He's the one that formed the corporation in Pennsylvania with the Cotton Association. And he was vice president for, I don't know, 12, 15 years. And then I can remember we uh, went to the Peel Farm and uh, I think 94, they had a little the gathering there. They didn't call it Expo those days. We just called it gathering. <laughs> and uh, we went to the Peel Farm, met Mrs. Peel, and uh, and uh, Charlie Brown, who took over uh, the flock when her husband died. And uh, and, and I bought two rams uh, up there at that gathering and uh, got them home here. And uh, they was uh, big rams, big white rams. And they used some breeding in the past. And I think, I think I paid $300 a piece for them. Which was bad, big I, money. That was Yeah, it's huge, there. yeah. And, uh, and I remember that, uh, Laura, up to then, Laura was a secretary and put out newsletters. She was running kind of the Katahdin end of it to members. And, uh, and then the registry was done by uh, Charles Brown there at the, at the Peel Farm for years. Took you like two, three months to get the registrations because they only worked part-time on registrations at that time. And, um, and uh, Mrs. Peel uh, donated $5,000 into the treasury, the Katahdin Association. And uh, that's when uh, uh, Laura kind of started uh, drawing a little check for all the time she spent. So that's how that started when we were there. And we saw Mount Katahdin and uh, Moosehead Lake up there. So it was a nice gathering. And that was uh, 94? I think that was in 94, yeah. yeah. I think right about that, Don. And uh, 93, 94, we had to gather. Still a long there. time before Caleb was born. <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, and then... Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, it seemed like we would have gatherings uh, uh, every year, and uh, there was no communication the rest of the year. Everything was done that, at that one meeting. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and the logo that we used to have with the Katahdin head, uh, we kicked that around seven years before that was ever approved. <laughs> took us seven years to get that approved and uh it was uh the problem was everybody wanted to change it and then they were going to have a change and then we'd look at it the next year and didn't like the change so we kept staying with what we had and somebody i think uh just sort of um, came up with that real quick uh, and gave it to laura it was not planned. It was just sort of a scratch deal, uh, to my knowledge. 
And uh, so it stuck around a long time. And uh, um, and a lot of people incorporated it in their logos and things. But then, uh, uh, and, and that was really, really nice. And, and we had a lot of good meetings and a lot of, uh, I call it Katahdin fellowship. Was that about the first, uh, when was the first gathering? Was it prior to that, uh, a couple years prior to that or? Yeah, yeah. it was uh, maybe in, uh, that I can remember, uh, uh, let's see. I joined in 87. And uh, my flock number is 39, which is kind huh. of low oh, today. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, we, it, it was at the Heifer Project, I remember. Uh, we had it there. And, uh, and, and then uh, that's when we would make decisions on uh, about hair coat inspections. Mm-hmm. We would do that once a year. How are we going to do that? And the forms for registering for registering your sheep, and uh, kicked that around, and then uh, we came up with the inspector training, and um, and it was I took mine there at Heifer Project. It was three of us. Because back uh, then we, everything had to be inspected to be registered, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And because uh, the hair coats weren't right. good, hmm. and uh, and we we kicked that around, and uh, um, but it, it, by having an inspection like that, uh, it made the hair coats a lot better. Pretty quick, and probably today, pretty quick too, with a with a small gene yeah. pool, yeah. yeah. And, and today it's not too much emphasis on a hair coat anymore. Uh, I do uh, inspect mine, and uh, and I do inspect people, other people's, if I'm asked to. But uh, it's been probably six or seven years before I've ever inspected anybody's flock. Uh, I've been an in, yeah, just, I've been an inspector now three years, and I did my first one this past summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I. I used to do a lot more, a lot more, and uh, but here lately uh, haven't been doing any. I, you know, I, I don't know why uh, they don't emphasize it more because it it could be a, a little uh, money maker. Also, well, I think there's more yeah. uh, registered sheep out there. There's not as many people breeding up probably as there were. Uh, yeah, I remember looking at a Harold maybe in the in the mid two thousands or something, it used to list, you know, Mark Dennis recorded, you know, 50 years or whatever. And it, it would list who recorded the most or who registered the most. And there was a lot of sheep recorded back in those days and upgraded. Yeah. 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 But to the point now there people that uh, a lot of people just got rid of that upgrading and uh, because they saw how much faster they could get by buying registered right. sheep mm, and yeah get get in the money fa- money flow faster <laughs> uh so um so there's not much emphasis on it anymore but uh and, and then 
I don't know when I came up with this, but uh, about naming, it's kind of interesting, sheep. I sold some sheep to a gal in uh, Virginia and uh, she, uh, she raised them uh, some kind of a hound, uh, a real fancy dog, some, and uh, you see them in advertisements. They got real long hair and, and, it, and they'll be riding in a convertible and it looks like a woman sitting <laughs> in there. Uh, some kind of hound dog. Well, that's what she rode ways and made a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, money with it. But uh, she says, uh, how come you don't name the, your sheep? She says, uh, a number is, uh, people aren't interested in remember numbers. She says, but they'll remember names. Yeah. I got to thinking about it and uh, she's right. So I made a presentation to the board about naming. And, and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, received too too well so the next year i went back and i had it figured out that you have to show people the, the cotton breeders of those days nobody had no money and it, it was uh maybe we could use this as a fundraiser so i got ed marks off he was a register at the time and he said that a change to the computer would cost a thousand dollars to change it so we could start putting names in it. So when I made my presentation, uh, we had uh, um, uh, seven people or eight people that was willing to name their sheep at a hundred dollars a head. And wow. then we do, then we had two that were would consider it. So that was the thousand dollars covered. Mm-hmm. So told it that it won't cost us anything and then from now on it'll be a money maker wow now they're gonna make money so people accept it and and that's how it started at a hundred dollars a name and uh i felt that if you had something that you really like to give it a, a name that people can remember not names like tom dick and harry you know a, a special a special name and uh so we did that and that sold a lot of sheep with names and a lot of people today you know they remember uh names of, of our sheep and, and other people's uh, names yeah i got a funny story kind of on that line i was at and i won't name any names but i was at a at a farm one time with a group of people and we were doing a farm tour and uh, we were walking through a group of rams. And there was probably three rams there, maybe. And uh, uh-huh. and so we're all looking at them. And everybody's looking, you know. And 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 we've been there probably fifteen minutes or so. And somebody goes, "What about uh, where's old so and so? We want to see so and so." And that was a ram's name, you know. They wanted to see this name yeah. brand ram. And he goes, "Oh, well, he's right there, man." All of a sudden, everybody's like. Oh wow, man! Look at him; he is awesome. We're like, yeah. he's been—we've been in here with him for fifteen minutes, and nobody said, "Oh, look at this nice ram." But once they said, yeah. "Oh, that's so and so," oh my gosh, you know. So, so yeah, yeah the naming deal—it's <laughs> a mental thing yeah. for sure. But people really remember you know, a name. So then there was people on the board said uh, at that time, uh, "Oh, hundred dollars is too much." Let's reduce it to 50. So they reduced it to 50 
And then a few years later, that was too much. So now they got down to 25. So, uh, and, and, and a lot of people were naming uh, Tom, Dick, and Eric. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, uh, that, that's, how, that's how the naming came about. But you do remember names a lot more. Oh, than absolutely. Numbers. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, in a kind of a situation of, you know, we, we have our place up for sale here. And uh, because I'm getting too old to uh, uh, do, all the, do all the things and maintenance on the place. And, uh, and I got, yeah, I thought that's why you married just such a young lady to do all the work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's still working and she brings in a lot more money working, uh, than we can with the sheep. So we, she's still working. In fact, she's working now. And, and, uh, uh, so we got, uh, we were going to have, uh, this year, uh, 19 used. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I sold uh, a crazy story. Uh, I sold, um, let's see, uh, two rams and uh, five ewes to a fellow two years ago, I guess. And he was going to do all kinds of things with them and, and, uh, and uh, didn't really do much. And then last year he had uh, eight ewes on order lambs i delivered them in uh first of september and uh, 11 days later his wife called me up and and in the meantime uh the eight years i got a check for 5200 dollars. so i uh, his wife calls me up and says you're gonna have to come get these sheep i can't take care of them my husband won't help me and i have to carry water and this and that so uh, they all had uh, our COR uh, name tags in, you know. So I didn't want them to go to the slaughter to the sale barn. So I went and looked at them, and she says, "We'll give them to you." Wow. She says, "A deal, a deal's a deal." So she says, "We'll give them to you." So I said, "Well, I can't. Uh, I'll take them." So uh, we went and picked them up, and while we were there, they were arguing, raising hell at each other, and they threw in the two rams uh, that I'd sold them a couple years ago. They threw that in with the deal and uh, a few other things. So now I got uh, eight more uh, used that I wasn't expected, so we bred them. And then um, the same gal called me up. Uh, I guess December and said um, uh, uh, you know uh, the the use that we bought two years ago uh, we want to get rid of them too she said but I'd like to get a a few dollars for them because my husband and I have separated he went his way and I I don't want the sheep so I went over there and I picked up five more well now we had and, and then I bought one in a sale, and, and then somebody else gave me one. And uh, we end up with 33, wow. 32, and then we were trying to to get less. <laughs> so uh, so we're, we're lambing now, and uh, we've got uh, 55 lambs on the ground right now, and we weren't expecting nowhere near that, that amount. So it's more work. 
And um, so that those things happen. Uh, a year before that, uh, I, I'd sold three years and I ran Fofell to get him started. And he, ha he had him the same thing. He had him 14 days. And he has a little business on the side. He says, I can't run two businesses. He says, you're going to have to take these sheep back. I said, two businesses. You, you only got three ewes and a man. <laughs> I didn't business. Oh, no, you got to come get them. So he gave me back uh, three ewes and a ram. And, um, and um, actually, we sold, we sold the ram to an Amish guy up in Kentucky. And uh, we're going to be able to, uh, to see him when we go up there to the expo. He is right near uh, Elizabeth City. Yeah, hopefully our expo will still be a good go this year. Uh, I guess time will tell. But, uh, you know, right now it's kind yeah. of questionable maybe. Yeah, I was talking to Ron yeah. yesterday about it. And anyway, uh, we got a lot more sheep than we had wanted, but uh, we've been very lucky the last seven years. Uh, all our ewes have been on order before they're even born. Awesome. And and uh, and I sell them for six hundred and fifty dollars. We've had that price now for seven years. And uh, ram lambs, uh, we sell for $900. Uh, but each, each, uh, each uh, lamb has what I call a health record uh, that goes with it. And um, it's everything we've done to that lamb from trimming hooks to vaccinations to worming, whatever we've done to them. Uh, I figure that when you're spending that kind of money, you want to know as much about that animal as you can. And, uh, and I wish, uh, uh, you know, I, I rate my sheep on performance. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to have a scale and uh, just see how they're performing. And uh, all, all of ours aren't breeding stock. Uh, we call hard. And, uh, and and we have th uh, three or four people that when we have uh, a lamb available um, that doesn't uh, <clears throat> live up to our standards, well, uh, we, I take it to the slaughterhouse for them. So uh, that's the way we've been operating. And uh, it's, it's, un it's unbelievable how all of a sudden you get a check in the mail for $500 for deposit. And, uh, you know, uh, something we talked about on the phone two weeks ago. But uh, I see so many people get hurt where people are going to buy, but then they don't show up. And my advice to everyone is to know your breeder, know, know your breeder. If you have a chance to go to other farms and see how they're keeping records, and what they're doing um, and uh, get a deposit from somebody a hundred or two hundred dollars ahead and you say it's non-refundable because how many people have said yeah I want five so you hold five back and, uh, and then you can't get a hold of the guy or, or for some reason he can't make it and somebody came yesterday with cash in their hand and wanted five. Well, this way, 
if you take a deposit of a couple hundred dollars, it seems like they show up <laughs> and uh, when they say they're going to for their sheep. So uh, I've learned through uh, hard times um, and uh, I'm, maybe I'm independent now, but uh, so many people get hurt by uh, uh, people not showing up. And then the other thing, my pet peeve is um, people buying a sheep and not seeing uh, that they're registered. Uh, just at least see a copy, yes, they're registered. And people say, oh yeah, I'm going to register, or they can be registered. I, when I was president, I saw so many sad stories uh, where people would tell them that and they'd buy the sheep and then they never got the registration or they want to sell them the registration for another 25 or $50 a head. And I can remember one in Canada uh, because back then in the 90s, uh, half our membership was Canadians wow. pretty much. And, and uh, uh, until they formed their own association there, and then it's dropped off considerably. There's very few now, but uh, they were good members and they raised good sheep. And, uh, but the fella bought a flock of sheep up there and uh, they're supposed to be restable. So he had them three weeks, somebody came along and uh, offered him uh, double his money what he paid for him. So he sold him. Nah, and then he told this guy, yeah, they're, they're registered. And that same thing happened three, three times in a row. The poor guy, the last guy that bought, uh, he never could get him registered because when he went to the first guy, he wanted to charge him $25 a head to get him registered. And then the second guy, he wanted to charge him for getting registered. So wow. uh, my, my uh, feeling is that don't buy anything until you see it's registered because there's a lot of people that don't tell the truth. Yeah, I would say, you know, my, some they don't tell that's the right. Truth. My, my experience, I've been on the board now for four years and, and most right. interaction I get with the, general membership is on, Hey, can you help me get papers? You know, I bought sheet from so-and-so and and I can't get papers, you know, and and that is the most, you're right. That is the most, uh, that is the biggest, most used, uh, contact I get from membership is help, help, help. And and I, my advice is always get a receipt, you know, just like if you were going and buying a car, you wouldn't go buy a car from the Ford dealership and not get a receipt, you know, or not get enough paperwork showing that that is your car, you know? So it's kind of a buyer beware. You know, most people go buy a sheep and they just shake their hands and load the sheep and leave. And then the other guys got your money and now you got the sheep, but you never, you never closed the deal. And, uh, you need a receipt, you need paperwork, you need your receipt needs to have the sheep's number on it. The registration, it needs to have everything you can to identify in case you have to go to court or small claims court to get that person to do that. 
And, uh, but unless all those steps are fathered, you know, it made it so tough as an association there there's i mean it, our hands are kind of tied you know you kind of gotta oh. you kind of gotta be uh you know buyer beware and cover your bases you know be well, if you it, it, what you're saying yeah but i don't agree with that because if you guys have a receipt then you gotta and you want to hire a lawyer and all that for eight dollars you can get the registration oh no i agree <laughs> no no i'm saying if you've got a receipt you know, we've got proof that you paid for that animal and, and yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we can, we can make the, the fee go away, but if you don't have that receipt, it's your word versus his word. You know, maybe, maybe you didn't sell them to him as register sheet. If you, if you have the registration, at least. Then it don't uh, matter. The, well, that's right. It don't matter, but the lease association has made a couple bucks yeah. too. But like if, you know, if I wanted to buy some meat lambs from Mark and Mark sold them to me and I get them home and I'm like, oh man, those are pretty. And I turn <laughs> around and want to sell them as breeding stock, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody yeah, says, well, I've got a receipt, you know, from Mark. Yeah, but that wasn't a deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. So it's, it's uh, I can remember way back when uh, I wasn't on the board. I was just a member. But we had a fellow in Missouri was doing that, and uh, we voted to take his membership away. Right. And uh, we took his membership away, and he went away. And all our problems with him went away. So uh, sometimes you have to do that when people uh, take advantage. And there's so many people that uh, really don't understand the system and uh, – and take a lot of people's word because they're, they're good sales. Well, if it's a detriment to the breed, then yes, uh, it, it has right. to be done. Yeah. And he's, as far as I know, yeah. that's the only person that that's ever happened to, correct? Uh, to yeah. my, to my knowledge, yeah. my knowledge, but it, it, we, we voted on it. And uh, as a members, we voted on it and uh, we didn't have much of a board those days. Uh, we'd, we'd, uh, have a little meal and, uh, we'd say, does anybody want to serve on the board? <laughs> and, uh, some people, sometimes you had to talk somebody into it, but it, a lot of people I thought over the years, they just got on the board so they could be first one served for lunch <laughs> because they never, did, they never did nothing. And, uh, you never could get in touch with them. And, uh, so um, it's a lot different today where we have educated, interested people on the board. Um, and, uh, but you don't realize how much is happening unless you're on oh, the board. Oh, man, there is no doubt about that. I, I'm, of course, we're in, a, we're in the process of, of getting ready to have another board change with a couple of members coming off, three members actually. And, uh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm trying to get as many people as possible to run for the board. I mean, uh, everybody has yeah. ideas of what should be happening or, oh, y'all should do this or, Hey, run for the board. You know, it's, yeah, uh, right. you, you know, right. we ask for volunteers all the time and nobody volunteers. So, uh, step up yeah. and, yeah. uh, put your name in a hat and come help us. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's like committee. I mean, somebody has an idea, they want to do this. Okay. That's good. You're chairman. That's right. <laughs> you're it. And, uh, yeah, and uh, let's see what you're going to do. You you get the people, you know, 
and and that, that stops usually a stops lot of that. a lot of ideas. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, we sell most of our animals on the internet, and I think if you're going to be in the sheep business, you just about have to have a website. And uh, and we've we've uh, had a website for quite a few years now, and try and keep it updated with uh, uh, pictures. Talk about pictures. Uh, that's another one of my pet peeves. <laughs> um, if you look at the Harold, and uh, you go through there, and uh, there's so many pictures that'll never sell a sheep mm -hmm. uh, to look if you're looking at pictures and when you walk into a pen that sheep the first thing they do is look up at you and people snap pictures well a lot of people aren't interested in how the face looks yeah and uh that type of thing um i, I lost quite a few friends uh when i was running the website for south central and uh, because I wouldn't put their picture up there because it was, it was a bad picture. It'll kill you. Uh, a bad picture will just uh, shoot yourself in the foot with them. And uh, there's ways to take good pictures. And if you look at other uh, animal magazines, uh, you get some ideas for how the professionals are taking pictures. And then uh, with the sheep, um, I, I, it's just terrible. Some of the pictures that you see that people are spending money advertising and, and ain't nobody ever going to call a look at that picture because people want to see how long they are. Mm -hmm. They want to see how they're standing, how tall they are, uh, st how straight they are. Um, you go, look at a cattle magazine or a, sheep or a horse magazine, uh, you don't see a lot of faces. You see broadside views or side views. Yeah. And then, you know, some people have them stand the front higher so they look taller and all those tricks. And then the other trick is uh, in your advertising that, I, that I, I don't do, but I see a lot of people do. When you have taken pictures and for an advertisement, and the Herald is one, there's a space that that picture has to go in. Well, uh, when you put that picture up there to fill a space, nine times out of 10, it'll make the animal look longer. And because they got filled space. And um, so uh, you see some, some pictures there, you know that sheep ain't that long. <laughs> Uh, there's no way he got extra, extra couple ribs, maybe. Yeah. But but uh, I I uh, if you look at my ad in, in the Harold, I put a little fill in that space with our name. Mm -hmm. so the actual picture that you see is the actual size of the sheet. Yeah. And uh, things that that bothers me. Uh, with some of the pictures that you see in there and and, um, and we had a, and, and we've had some classes South Central we've had a couple classes on uh, how to take pictures and uh, you know you, you don't want to stand up and take pictures you want to get down on your knees and take them straight pictures 
of the sheep. So you see the top and bottom. When you're standing up, it makes the sheep look shorter, or if you get down too low, you may makes him look taller. So there's, there's um, you know, those type of things, I think uh, newcomers uh, are interested in. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that will send me pictures and say, oh, what do you think about this ram? Or what do you think about this you? And I'm like, would you buy that? Look at that picture, you know. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, would if I right. sent you that picture. You've seen that in the magazine. You would not go look at that sheet. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. No, and then the other, then the other problem I have too with the pictures is people put pictures on Facebook. Oh yeah. And uh, put a picture up there, and and then somebody will say, "Oh, they're beautiful, very nice." There's no information about that animal. Yeah. How old it is. If it's a twin, a triplet, there's no information at all. And uh, it, it, it's just sad that uh, people don't put information on their animals. So you can compare to, you know, if it's, if it's uh, four months old and it's a twin, uh, that's good information. Yeah. Definitely. But when you're just looking at a picture, you have no idea what they're trying to tell you. And uh, that bugs me too. So well, there's a lot of things on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook can make you famous and infamous at the same time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's so many sheep that are being lost uh, from uh, the crazy shepherd. Uh, shepherds, shepherds are a problem, not the sheep. Sheep's wonderful animal. Okay, guys. I told you it was going to be a long conversation. So we're going to end this episode right here and you guys be looking for the next couple episodes as we continue our conversation with Mark Dennis. Thanks for listening to the sheep things podcast. Stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback. So you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you and see you later.